Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a, yet another episode. Guess what? The film is finished. So before you even listen to this podcast, I recommend you go to my YouTube channel. Just look up YouTube Merrick Larwood. And the film will be there. It's called Vlogmare. A short film. Have a little look at it. And then come back. And also, just a small request. Why not subscribe to my channel while you're there? And also, maybe don't skip the advert. Because that way, I get a few pence. And you can feel that you've contributed to the making of m- movie history. Anyway... Have a look at it, then come back and I'll tell you about all my experiences of the film. See you in a bit. probably watched a film by now in which case thank you for watching it it is pretty average the following podcast is going to be my experiences of making the film but first of all i have to say a special thank you to all the people who donated to help me make the film the final film cost i think 809 pounds 17 or something i actually had 853 pounds donated the excess I will put towards the expensive lens I bought for the film. So all that money went into the cost of making the film. If you want to hear about what equipment I used, pretty much the majority of which I bought beforehand, I will tell you at the end of the podcast because it's for geeks and other people feel sick when they hear about it. Anyway, I'm going to go through 10 things that I learned from my film. Let's go for it. One, the fantasy about making films. The idea of making a film is definitely a thousand times more romantic than actually making it. I think because you can't be a bad filmmaker if you've never made a film. But as soon as you start filming something, you're stuck with the reality of it rather than the fantasy in your head of it's going to be amazing and everything's going to look great. 
and you realise you actually have to put it into practice. The backstory for my film, as some of you would already know, was in January I thought I want to try and make something a bit longer. But obviously that's so expensive. So how do I come up with an idea for doing that? So rather than doing a normal Kickstarter, I thought I'd do this podcast and ask people to donate and use that money to make a film. I just finished doing another podcast called Film Fandango and I sort of used the money that people had donated for cinema tickets. I'd saved up for about two years and was able to buy a camera, which I thought was good enough to film something on and thought the podcast would hopefully pay for the budget. My first mistake was drastically overestimating the popularity of this podcast. (laughs) It wasn't particularly popular and the second thing I learned was when you're doing a fundraiser the majority of people who are going to donate donate right at the start um, because they're friends and they're people who follow you and once that initial phase has gone it's only really dribs and drabs come in so I launched a podcast in January thinking all right I haven't got anything to do in the summer so I'll aim to make something in August and I had a script about three quarters written about a bloke who has got some sort of brain injury and everyone he meets is just, are just mannequins and they gradually sort of you find out why. I talked about this outline to Bruce Webb from episode two who line produced films and had sort of extensive experience budgeting films and he told me if I was going to sort of pay everyone 100 quid and get a crew in and shoot for about seven days, I was looking at about 12 grand. Unfortunately, I'd raised about 400 pounds by that time. So I then realised, being in about two months into the podcast, that I couldn't really make that film. But 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 I had these donations for people, so I was committed to making something. So I had to try and make something for a very low budget amount. So once I paid for the drives, which are basically you normally have three drives, you back up your equipment on. I bought two drives for a hundred quid each, and then I had about two hundred quid left. Luckily for me, people carried on donating. I mean. Two people were especially generous. A lovely lady from Finland who accounted for about a quarter or more of the budget and a nice man called Matt. And these people really helped me sort of just cover all my costs. So the sort of fantasy of me making this amazing film turned into something where I thought, oh, I don't really have money to make anything spectacular so what can I do with my resources and then my friend Paul said you know just you've got a camera you can no longer really afford to play a crew so the idea I had was to do a vlog where I film myself so I just get around that whole problem of getting other people to film it for me of course with that comes a whole new set of problems where you have to do everything yourself. Which brings me to the second point. Make sure you absolutely love the idea before you start filming. As some of you may know, I make a lot of stuff on YouTube of varying quality. 
But the good thing about making shorts is that the newness and the excitement of having a fresh idea often is enough to push you through the, you know, two or one or maybe three or four or five days it takes to make that bastard. With this project, I started filming it sort of late July and all through August and then picked up different shots I missed in September, even through to December, the odd shot here to cover myself I was making. And what happens is that initial excitement of motivation which you have for making a short often evaporates and the problem is is that you have to really have the same love of your film as you would I imagine of a small child or a baby because some days you'll absolutely hate it and the last thing you want to do is spend time with that shit but you need the unconditional love to keep working now, I'd sort of, when I was making my film, I sort of halfway through making it, I thought, oh, right, I don't think this is very good. <laughs> I feel a bit embarrassed by it at places. I feel like I've let down people who have spent, donated their money and that people won't support me again because this isn't very good. And then for the whole of, a lot of September... I was just doing an hour's work on it here, you know, a, a, a half an hour here. And I just dreaded working on it because there were scenes in it which I think didn't really work. And I didn't know what to do after I sort of launched this podcast and sort of jumped off a cliff into making something. And it wasn't initially how I imagined it. And also with motivation, it's quite weird. So I found with stand-up, when I was doing stand-up comedy, 10% of the time, you think, oh, I'd love to be on stage. I'd love to be performing. But it's the other 90% when you don't want to be doing it, that is the problem. And that's the same thing when you're making a film, especially if you're directing it. You have to really love it and really be excited about it the whole time because you're the driving force behind it and I found that really hard because I'm not used to being a driving force amongst people I prefer to be a sort of background person who chips in plays the weird parts and does all the sort of small things when it's you having to be in control of everything it's really hard. So motivation-wise, you need to be really passionate about the idea. And when you're making that film over a long period of time and you have a chance to look back at the rushes and you think, all oh, right, this isn't that good and I need to carry on doing it <laughs> because I have to finish it, it's really hard. And if you think about the amount of films that you watch that are good and actually get somewhere... There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds shit films. And I really sympathise with these people and empathise who are making these films and they realise that it maybe hasn't worked how they thought but they committed to making it. Number three. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Always take someone with you when burying a body in the woods. This isn't something most filmmakers will encounter, but luckily I had my friend Gallia come along with me when I was burying body parts in the woods on the off chance that someone would see me in a very popular dog walking spot burying plastic bags, pretty much like I'm burying a dead body. And that's exactly what happened. A man and his dogs (laughs) ran up and tried to dig up some plastic bags I was burying And he came along and I'm so glad that Gallia was there, who's my friend, who's a teacher, who comes across as one of the nicest people in the world, to counteract the fact that I was there in strange-looking Elton John glasses with a trowel, looking like I was burying a leg. And the bloke clearly was trying to suss out (laughs) what was going on. And because I had a camera there and... It was great that Gallia was there to show, oh yeah, we're making a film, it's a comedy film. And I think there was about two minutes where he was trying to work out whether we were, you know, a pair of murderers who were filming it. Um, but then he carried on talking about his friend was a, who was a filmmaker for about 10 minutes to the point where I thought, all right, we've explained to you that we're not murderers, please go away and leave us alone. So if you're doing anything really weird, it's always good to have a friend there to help you. Number four. I hate clocks. Clocks are the bane of my life. When I was filming in Simon's flat, there was a clock there. And because it was in the background and I didn't notice this massive clock in the background, I couldn't use a whole lot of takes because the time was jumping around and it just ruined the take and it was so close to my head that I couldn't even zoom in on my face to ignore the clock clocks are arseholes first thing you do is go on a scene is look for clocks take them smash them up and burn them and never look at them again clocks arseholes
budgeting. My film is quite an odd budgeting thing because I was relying on donations and I didn't know what they were. In future, if I was making something, I would sit down, budget the thing properly and think, all right, I need two grand and I'm not going to make the film unless I can get that two grand or have different tiers of how you can make the film rather than being reliant on an unknown source. Initially, I wanted to pay people for their time, but it became apparent that I couldn't do that because I hadn't have enough money. So how would I spend the money? You can see exactly how I spent it on my um, website if you look at the budget. Basically, I had to buy two um, drives to store the footage on. Normally, you need three, as I've already said. And these were four terabyte drives, which at the time cost me 100 quid each. When I changed to do the vlog idea, I had all my own equipment, which I bought over the years. And basically a lens I had to buy, which cost me like a grand of my own money, which was a wide 8 to 18 lens. So you wouldn't just be my face massively in the camera. I decided that wouldn't come out of the budget. That would just come out of me not going on holiday this year. Anyway, um, budget wise, I decided I, I bought those two drives. Then I realized I needed a, a vlogging, a, a tripod so I could put my camera on it that was reliable, that wouldn't, so it wouldn't fall off and smash my camera. That cost me about 130 quid. I spent 20 quid on badges, 20 quid on some crap music site, about 20 quid on, um, postage to say thank you to people uh my big expense was a prosthetic thumb which keely thomas who is an amazing makeup artist you should follow her uh keely thomas mua on instagram the stuff she does for just body parts and prosthetics is amazing anyway she made these thumbs she gave me three in the end for 100 quid which was massively generous of her and that was over half the budget the other expenses were props. I probably spent about £100 doing sort of police tape, uh, costumes. And if you realise the murder film, a lot of that's me and my, the, the murder documentaries, me and my dad in the back garden. Uh, sort of fake blood, baseball bats, um, all other sort of props you don't realise are going to cost you money. Like glue for um, a moustache for the wig. That cost me about 100 quid. And then travel expenses going actors coming and just sort of getting lost getting actors ubers you know paying for their travel to, to me or me paying for my travel to them going to the isle of Wight. um that cost me about 100 quid and the biggest expense on the budget which i didn't realize was i thought i'll just get everyone food a lunch or if i can't buy them lunch for example the two kids on the beach i'll just give them a tenner each so i felt they're giving i'm giving them something for their time and because I didn't necessarily plan this properly, a couple of times I thought, all oh, right, I haven't got lunch and the nearest place is a pub. So you get stung for a pub meal. That could be £25 or £30 gone on the budget because you haven't prepared feeding people. So budget-wise, the biggest cost is feeding people, which is the least you can do in a free film. Uh, I've rambled again. Oh, I don't suppose anyone's still listening. Now on to the next one. What about the crew, mate? Having filmed this myself, you realise what people you miss 
And the first person I probably would get in is a camera assistant and then a sound man. On a couple of days, I had my friend Gallia film me and um, Paul Allen, my friend, filmed the very, very last scene, which was impossible to do myself. And it was so great having someone to use the camera because I felt that if you're doing everything yourself, you just get distracted by all this other shit. And it's really hard to focus on the acting. There's some scenes in the uh, film where I want to literally smash myself in the face because I think that's bad acting, mate. But I was concentrating on what the cam- who's in shot, what's in shot, trying to work out in my head what's happening, have we got everything, that I wasn't necessarily able to concentrate on what I was doing in front of the camera, the most important thing. So I think when you're filming yourself, if you're doing anything else, inevitably part of your brain gets lost on that. So it's very hard for it not to affect your performance. Secondly, uh, the sound guy. I tried to use radio mics for some of the stuff I did. And for some reason, there was crackling on the radio mics. And of course, I was unable to monitor this. And I ended up having to use some of the takes. I didn't have other takes because for some reason, my radio mics, there was some interference um, with that and the adapter on, on the camera. It's all pretty boring stuff. But I didn't know until I'd gone back and watched it on my computer to hear it properly because I wasn't dedicated to, even though I was watching back on the camera, I just pressed playback on the camera without putting headphones in because I didn't have the time. And I thought, oh, that's all right. And then I come back and go, I oh, know there's a bit of weird cracking there, which I f- found infuriating later on. And so I went for, uh, I used my video, Rode Video Micro, which is a top mic in the camera as it was more reliable. But even then, there's some weird echoey things where I put the dead cat, which is the fluffy thing on it, and sometimes the mic bounced around and messed up the sound. So it would just be, if I was doing anything professionally, I mean, I just think sound guys are just absolutely crucial. So a camera assistant and a sound guy, and I think maybe they, they pretty much have to be separate because it's too much to think about when you're you know, moving the camera, operate, you know, checking the focus, tr- doing the lights, which I'm assuming that they were doing on a, on, a, on a skeleton crew to worry about the sound. I know they're expensive, but I do think they're worth it. And the third person, the crew I missed, is the producer. I think when you're making things yourself, when you have to do everything, you find out what you are bad at. I am really bad at asking for people to do things and for the production side of things. I don't like it. I feel awkward, you know, just talking to people about that side of things. I I, I realise I, I find it awkward explaining things and directing things in general because I don't want to upset people. And I find it very hard, as you may have guessed, to articulate the things in my head to that person. So I just wish I had a producer to do all the sort of business side, you turn up this time, you do this, can you wear this, can you wear that, all the sort of business stuff that takes it away from the creative things that you have to talk as if you are a normal person. And maybe I'm not a normal person, but I think a producer and an organised mind 
that takes away all the crap um, that the creative people might have be distracted by would be invaluable. The problem with favours. When you're making a low budget film, you have to rely a lot on favours as you're not paying people. And that also means that if you've asked someone to do a film on a certain day and they suddenly get work or they've got something else come in, it's impossible for you to say, well, you can't say, all right, no, you have to let them do that. So you're just reliant on the goodwill of people. This also means that you feel as though you have to rush things. A lot of the scenes I did, I only had about <laughs> two or three hours. For example, at, at the house, the holiday home, which is my nan's house towards the end of the film. I needed some holiday makers to arrive at the home to disturb me, so I had to run away. And I had to ask my brother, who hates being on camera, and his kids to do it. And my mum, they were coming over to the house for the day in the summer for lunch. And I'd been at my nan's literally since about sort of nine o'clock that morning, trying to work out what all the shots were, practice it the previous day, so I could do it in a little amount of time as possible because I had an hour to shoot it. And I was relying on the favours of, you know, the kids and my brother. An hour in their heads is a long time. But when you're trying to get a shot, it's not very long at all. You know, about two after you've explained everything, gone through it, done a practice, two takes of it. So you have to use that. And some scenes might not especially work well, but you feel, oh, right, I feel too guilty on the day to make them do it again for nothing. I don't want to piss this person off. Which comes to my next point. Seven. Oh, that should be okay. That should be okay is when you shot something and you aren't 100% sure, but you're really, really tired. Performance-wise, you cannot be bothered to do it again. No one else wants to do it again. Everyone, the motivation is low, and you think, well, that'll probably be okay. This is sounds, logically, it sounds like, oh, right, um... Why would you ever think that will be okay on a film set? But when you're there and you're doing it and you're tired and you just think, oh, I really hate this. I don't want to do it again. You just think yeah, that'll be okay. But then you have to watch your mistakes over and over again in the edit. And if it's a low budget thing. It's impossible to rectify. And it could just be because you haven't got the money to film again. People aren't available. Or in my case, I filmed in the height of summer. I was filming on boiling hot days. And then three months later, all the leaves have fallen off and everything looks different. So you cannot do it again. If you think that should be okay, that's a sign that it probably isn't good enough. So ignore your instinct and do it again. Always keep an eye on the tone. There are several mistakes in my film where the tone changes and my performance changes. None bigger than perhaps the very final <laughs> bit of the film 
where, as I said before, I got my friend Paul to help me film the last shot. Prior to that, I was by myself and I didn't check back the footage. I just assumed I was doing it in the same tone. But I had been affected by the fact that there was someone else there to help me. My performance changed and got heightened. And the problem is when you're going from scene to scene, you're just jumping straight into a slightly different performance, which is jarring. So I think it's really useful for actors, which directors never do. If there's an emotional scene and they're shooting at a different time, just to show the actor or the performer or the, for the director themselves to look at the footage of that continuous scene that's shot at a different time in reality. So you can check that the tone doesn't jar because in everyone's head it can feel the same but you're affected by uh well maybe better actors aren't but affected by what's going on around you and you forget exactly what sort of emotions you had i mean it sounds really poncy but basically you can see it in my film where the tone changes because i just didn't watch the footage and then i filmed the thing and then afterwards I didn't necessarily check it back for a couple of days because I can't remember why. And I thought, oh, that tone's different. Oh, I can't reshoot that. Oh, that's the end of my film. Oh, I hope no one notices. Oh, I bet they will. Oh, especially now, because I've just pointed it out. 10, synopsis. Well, that's about it. I've made the film. Sorry if you, I mean, this has been quite self-indulgent, but I thought people might find it interesting. I mean, it's, it's not really a film. It's more of an extended vlog that I made for half an hour that I was an experiment, but it took up, it took up a surprising amount of my life. And a lot of the time I found it really hard and dreaded it. But I think in retrospect, maybe I will enjoy the whole process more. What it made me think is, oh, I actually really like making shorts and fun films on YouTube. What about equipment? Oh, well, so I had three memory cards. I had a GH5 camera. I had another a Manfrotto tripod, a sort of um, a B3 Live one it's called, which is about 120 quid. Uh, video micro uh, um, microphone, two radio microphones I bought, I've had for about I bought about eight years ago and a zoom h4n recorder and nd filters and lens wise i pretty much used a lens which cost me shitloads when i realized i was doing a vlog and i was trying on another lens which was a 12 to 35 lens and it was my face was too much in screen i thought i'm going to need a an extra wide lens which is really expensive which cost me about a thousand pounds but I cannot make the film without it. So all my equipment probably over the, which I've bought over the course of about five or six years, cost me about £7,000, which is a lot of money. But I bought this through, you know, doing other podcasts, just trying to save £10 a week to put on equipment which is a great way of doing it over time. So then you can build up this equipment, £10 or £20 a week, and then maybe try and spend £1,000 a year on equipment, which is really expensive. And I wouldn't have been able to make the film without this equipment. 
anyway that that is the equipment i use so in reality the film was a lot more expensive than 809 pounds um if you want to help me make more stuff and you can donate on my channel marriclarwood.com all of that money goes into paying for the equipment that i've bought and making new films and to anyone who has donated and enjoys my stuff um it's really really kind of you if you donate five pounds or more i will send you a man makes the movie badge yeah I, I really appreciate it and i wouldn't be able to make any of this stuff without the people who helped me out so that is it for the podcast i probably will make a few more man makes the movie podcasts about going to festivals and things like that please um, feel free to email me at movie at gmail.com with any questions about kit or filmmaking. Put some comments in the comment section on the film on YouTube and I'll try and answer those questions you have. Sorry, this has been really rambling. Um, and thanks again to, well, everyone who donated to the film and also to everyone who helped me with making the film. I forgot to do that at the start. Um, it was really, really kind of people to give me their time. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found it interesting. If you have, you're probably still listening. I mean, most people want, won't. The drop-off rate's probably about 50 or 60%. Anyway, keep making the films. Stay hygienic. Marek makes a movie. Marek makes a movie. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.